Global Indian Network. Print, TV, events, podcasts. Find out more at globalindianseries.com. For most of the kids, teachers are no less than God. True. <laughs> Whatever the teacher says, it's carved in stone, isn't it? And as parents, we feel so happy that there's someone the child is listening to, looks up to, and there is a feeling of love, respect, and care in this relationship. That's what I really love about it. The foundation of values, habits, thoughts, and processes is so much a part of our education or rather our schooling. I really feel that school is like a real partner in upbringing. <laughs> so true. It's the best team, right? And education is a huge part of our early lives. We spend so many hours in the classroom until we turn what, 21 maybe? Maybe more nowadays. If, yeah. If the kids to, are going to do their PhDs. And you have to continuously be a student, right? <laughs> yes. Actually, in this age, that's necessary also, right? To learn yeah. throughout our lives. <laughs> you know, Himani, what I really feel is we as a parent take care or interact with maybe one or two of our own children and a few children in the neighborhood on a daily basis. But the teachers interact with hundreds of students every day. So they know so much more about the children. And that's why it's important to seek their advice and know their opinions. Yes. So what better than getting some perspective from a veteran educationist and an authority in the industry? Hello parents. Welcome to Partners in Upbringing. I'm Himani. Hi, I'm Kalyani. And today, it is an incredibly special episode with an incredibly special guest. We are highly honored and privileged to have Miss Melissa Maria, Principal, GIIS Smart Campus, Pungol, Singapore. To give you all a brief introduction of her exceptional achievements, Miss Melissa has over 25 years of experience in the field of education and administration in reputed schools from Mumbai, Oman and Singapore. She has won many awards, including the Best Principal International Zone from Science Olympiad Foundation. She is also the Global Advisory Member to the World Genius Council and many more. Miss Melissa is a strong proponent of nurturing the uniqueness in every child. Welcome ma'am. Welcome to Partners in Upbringing. Thank you so much for honoring us with your presence today. We can't wait to listen to you. And there are so many questions which are just popping up in our minds as a podcaster and as a parent. Preschool is like the first step towards education. So what aspects should we as parents keep in mind while choosing a right preschool for our children? This decision has always been tough. Thank you firstly for having me on your platform. It's a delight to talk to both of you. And let me get straight to answering your question. Uh, you know, school is a place that children spend their most productive time. And hence, it is very, very pertinent that school provides safety, security and comfort for the child. School should be a place actually that respects its students and has a place where every child's voice is heard. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So much that this may sound as a given... There are schools that emphasize and lay importance to nurturing the uniqueness of every child. And a parent needs to check to see the school ambience as well as the facilitators and teachers. Are children being treated as a single cohort that needs to be filled up with information and knowledge? Or are children being nurtured in their true potential and interest? Actually, are all facets of the child being catered to or is it like the school is force-fitting, 
you know uh, for every student one program fitting them in a mold mm-hmm. another important part is is the child really happy coming to school so parents need to feel the pulse as to what that school gives importance to mm-hmm. i think another very important points that parent needs to focus on is is school giving an opportunity to children to go beyond the classroom not just cognitive development but is it allowing children to connect with nature is it allowing children to play very important and is it allowing children to you know connect with community thereby these are things that will help build their curiosity their social and empathy quotients and the most important for me is is the school focusing on promoting and celebrating student success however small that success may be is there a culture in the school that is allowing students to be recognized for their achievements are their stories being discussed are their stories being communicated to the world i think if parents can see these elements then i think that's a fabulous preschool to be in i would like to ask a question related to the last point you mentioned about celebrating every success of our child no matter how small it is my daughter ahana is also studying in a preschool and every time she completes her worksheets or whatever task is given to her by the teacher she gets a chop or a star but on days when she doesn't get it she gets really upset and demotivated and as a parent at that time it's quite difficult for me to explain it to her and sometimes i wonder is it really important to acknowledge this small acts with a chop or a star and are we not conditioning the kids to perform only for that motivation to get a chop I don't think it is like that i think for that child that is an affirmation that i am doing something i am doing something worthy so when a child gets that affirmation from the teacher in the form of a chop it is an for the child it is yes i am doing what is expected of me so it is not about conditioning saying that oh only if i get a chop i will learn in fact we look at it the other way when i am learning and i am getting an affirmation that i am doing it right then it is motivating me to keep going on you know so uh, i don't look at it like that that's why i feel that even small successes because these are young children they are just beginning their journey has just begun at every step of the way we need to affirm them that they are doing it right once mm-hmm. they have that once they have that reassurance that yes i am doing it right eventually they will grow independent of all these chops and things like that mm, so we should just look at these as small roadblocks we need to overcome foundation years we need to affirm them more and more we affirm them is better ma'am there are so many types of schools as well it's actually tough to make a choice can you tell us what are the major differences as well as similarities between indian international schools international schools and local schools what do indian international schools offer apart from connecting the children back to india um what i'll do is i'll step back a bit yeah to respond okay. to this question i would like us to focus on the word school mm-hmm. before we look at the prefix that okay. is indian international and local right mm-hmm. um i strongly believe that school is an environment where students come together where they learn they have fun they grow they progress they learn things 
and more importantly they gain a sum total of all their experiences be it positive or negative and this helps them form their beliefs their ideologies even perceptions of the world around them mm-hmm. now let's come to the prefix which mm-hmm. is the indian international or local actually i really don't see a big difference in what happens in a school and in a classroom mm-hmm. children or students wherever they are they are learning content that is set up for them they are doing projects they are having some activities they are having some outings all schools have this in some measure some have more some have less okay now what is the difference the difference is in the kind of affiliation that the school takes up okay. some schools offer a combination like national curriculum as well as international curriculum so national curriculum is of the country of origin right or it could be an international curriculum maybe it could be a as that is cambridge or it could be ibdp and each of these affiliations have a certain pedagogic approach it could okay. either be constructive it could be collaborative integrated reflective or inquiry mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so you will see that for example say a cbse school it does look at depth it is a teacher centric approach curriculum okay. whereas if you look at an ib run school it works on inquiry it is more student centric okay. right or similarly our local school system they have a pedagogic approach that prepares students for what is required in the industry so essentially school is a school it is the affiliations that help and make the pedagogic transaction slightly different i, I see it like that oh okay okay another very important aspect while deciding a school and it's a talking point and deciding factor for many of us who belong to the middle class income category so we have limited you know financial resources for the child and education is very expensive these days you know how it is in singapore especially what should be our approach should we consider the first few years of the education to be the formative years and opt for the best school that we can afford or should we consider university education as more important one and you know save for that time what should be our approach i do understand that every parent wants best for his or her child now what i personally believe is that the early years matter you know in fact recently there was this harvard university center uh, on the developing child that released new research that showed that significant amount of neural connections are made in the brain during the early years of life than previously people believed in fact the center's new research has said that there are more than 1 million connections that are made per second oh what does this mean well it is proven beyond doubt that children who receive quality education demonstrate greater cognitive social and emotional growth than children who do not okay that means early experiences affect the development of the brain architecture which provides the foundation of all future learning behavior and health i'll give you an analogy mm-hmm. just as a weak foundation compromises the quality and strength of a house yes. adverse experiences in early life can impair brain architecture with negative effects lasting into adulthood mm-hmm. hence 
my recommendation is to provide the best whatever is possible for the parent early on you know children they will grow up they will do well for themselves and i know so many cases where children will surprise their parents by getting scholarships at universities <laughs> parents don't need to save that kind of money you know <laughs> so we should focus on having a strong base for our children not only for schooling but overall as well i think a strong base is the answer for everything from earlier in our talk you mentioned that one of the important aspects of a good school is that the kids need to be happy and all the teachers and the whole system works towards this i read you have actually developed a concept to measure this as an happiness index and it has gained a lot of recognition especially in the area of early childhood development yes can you please tell us a little bit more about this and how did all this start i mean a happiness index measurement is something very unique very interesting to know i want the children to be happy coming to school you know excited coming to school and one fine day i shared this with one of our school directors and he smiled and he said yeah how do you know they are happy do you have any measure remember he said what you cannot measure you cannot improve and it really struck me how do i make sure that they are happy how do i measure it how do i improve it we we picked up the bhutan case study because bhutan is a country yeah they have the highest happiness index highest happiness index you know <laughs> unlike the gdp that the other countries <laughs> measure so uh, i began researching bhutan so we zeroed down on three fundamental parameters we looked at environment because research had proven that green spaces open spaces bright spaces in school can add to the learning quotient and the well-being of children so we the second area is your academic offering what are you offering in school so we looked at that and the third area is the people who transact your facilitators your teachers it's amazing how you found out a way to measure it really because everyone wants to see kids happy right but there is actually so much work that goes behind getting those beautiful smiles on their faces if the children are not in the mood to study no matter what we do they won't grasp so learning cannot be planned around our schedules it needs to be actually planned about around their moods another answer which we always wanted to know from someone like you if we compare the traditional asian uh, and western education systems we see a starking difference asian education system is more focused on the academics and ranking whereas western education focuses more on the skills and interests and encourages the children to excel in it how do you see the future of education on a global level i actually see a shift i see a shift from student as a consumer of knowledge to becoming a partner to becoming a co-creator they want to be part of their learning they want to take charge of their learning and i see that happening you know um, i also see that learning is going to become borderless now for need classrooms and most important i feel choice children are going to have a choice in what they want to learn whether schools are physical or virtual they will be more like what the industry is outside i feel the future is going to focus more on teamwork collaboration it's yeah. it's going to be more you know what we do together than what we do alone i think schools are now going to encourage people to work together and and when this happens what is going to change is values of respect 
tolerance, acceptance, these are going to become crit critical. So I feel in this whole scenario, there are some key buzzwords that are going to jump out. You're going to hear words like connectedness, collaboration, you're going to hear words like co-creation. The other buzzword you're going to hear soon is anywhere, anytime learning. Learn from wherever, learn whatever. I think customization is also something that is taking precedence. I want to learn this much and so much. Why should I do other things? Yeah. And this whole concept of testing exams, yeah. that self is going to be tested. You know, <laughs> So I see all these changes happening, but it is heartening. I think it is heartening because, but then later on, I don't need to be bogged down with learning things I'm not interested in. Right. And just to complement that, will it be more and more about equality and children would more actively contribute and participate? That's why I say partners or co-create. I mean, not to belittle the teacher because the teacher yes. is a teacher. But at the same time, children now are able to add what they want, you know, to that whole plate. It's yes. not that like you just eat what I'm giving you. I want this. I want to do this. So you give me assistance or facilitate this part of my life. Since you mentioned working together as a team, uh, can you just explain how the trilogy of the student, the teachers and the parents work together in synergy? You know, uh, I'm actually a very, very strong proponent in the belief that parents are partners in the learning process of their children. I've always propagated that. Personally, I see parents as a huge resource and their resourcefulness needs to be leveraged on. So a dialogue between the child, teacher and parent, a threesome, it's the most ideal way for any interaction and alignment in thought and belief about what is good for the child, what the teacher believes as, you know, she, she is the trained professional, let's understand that. Uh, in this equation and so it's the parents willingness to support the needs of the child what the teacher believes also you know yeah. if there's alignment in these three I feel that this relationship can be very positive and this this definitely can happen through regular PTMs that's parent teacher meetings uh, collaborations that happen dialogue sessions that happen I think the fundamental line is clear and open communication and remembering that all three are on the same side. Since teachers are trained professionals and we parents generally just follow our instincts and are not really aware of many aspects of a child, I was wondering if there could be any checkboxes which the teachers can share with parents to make this effort more integrated and fruitful? This has been my experience over so many years. Children behave in a particular way. There is a particular way they will behave at home and there is a particular way they behave at exactly. school. You know? And one has to be observing to see how that behavior is. A child who is highly talkative in class or has a lot of energy in the class is generally constrained at home. That means there are strict disciplinarian parents at home. You know, a lot of do's, don'ts at home. Now, when they are not able to express at home that freedom, they will project it in class. Okay. And vice versa. Sometimes you have children who are very quiet, reserved in the classroom. They are the obedient, well-disciplined children. Yeah. But these are children who have all the liberties at home. 
they can be naughty at home they can jump scream shout roam around do what they like at home they have that freedom now when a parent and a teacher understands this at least one place the child must get to be himself or herself right classroom or home when we understand this relationship i think that is the kind of interaction a teacher and a parent should have but if at home also he is very reserved not speaking very quiet and class also he is very reserved quiet not interacting then there may be an issue which can be pursued so that's the reason i say there has to be clear and transparent communication between the teacher the parent and the child so that we know child is getting to express himself in one place at least if not both correct agreed ma'am most of the times it's said that values need to be taught at home charity begins at home <laughs> but since the school is also such an integral part of the system what values do children learn at school you know uh, there's a strong belief from huh, that values are caught they are not taught <laughs> but uh, i have a different view view point on this you know in this day and age of automation and machines and so much happening i think values play a very very important and central role to what we do um you know for example a person who say working with nuclear weapons he needs to know the difference between the use and misuse and that can only come when he has imbibed the correct values correct values of discernment correct value of empathy hence my personal view is that we have to make it a deliberate part of our curriculum we have to see it in the face like how we see maths and english and all we have to see values and as a school we have to provide opportunities for children to practice these values day in and day out so what i'm trying to say is that for the child family becomes a first point of contact yes now between school and family child leans towards the family because that is the first point of contact therefore it's pertinent that anything that we do we have to do it together otherwise it is sad for the child because he's confused you know? ma'am you've been a very strong proponent of nurturing the uniqueness in every child but with the busy lives we live every day and every activity is preplanned just like clockwork so how can we still nurture and preserve their uniqueness what they really like we have to first understand what this word uniqueness means you know i think that's critical when i am able to identify what that difference is whether that difference is a talent a certain personality trait that i have or some achievement that i have or certain quality i have so now the question every parent needs to ask is how is my child unique now once we are able to identify that quality in our child the only suggestion i have is then we have to learn to trust that quality of the child and then we have to learn to help my child with that quality to nurture that quality you know if for example my child has this unique quality of you know say doing jigsaw puzzles you may say what nonsense wasting time doing jigsaw puzzles but if i know if i understand that that's his unique quality he enjoys that he does it beautifully and i keep nurturing him on that 
one fine day he can become a record holder in himself i have a living example in my school of a child who now has assembled almost 20000 pieces of lego and made a beautiful design and she's been doing this from the age of 3 wow her parents recognized that she loved it she started with eight pieces of puzzles if parents can identify what is unique in their child and the second step is then start supporting and trusting that you know i think half your journey is done as a parent ma'am with the advent of technology information is no more a differentiator the future is going to be based on the qualities and soft skills possessed by our kids so as a parent what can we do to develop these essential soft skills at home with everything being equal what distinguishes a child for any recognition or position is the soft skills uh, your ability to team work your ability to manage time your ability to critically think you know organize make decisions be a leader these are all the soft skills that are most most critical and as parents we need to set that in at home as well so as parents we don't need to make all decisions we can leave some decisions to children you know whether a mama should make rotis today or today we should eat bread let the child decide one day why mama has to decide every day every day okay <laughs> right they can practice or you know uh, work with your siblings to clean up the room you know you be the leader together you'll work out a plan how the room can be cleaned out so we can actually set small tasks where children can practice these things in the home you know and of course always remember i always tell parents this we are the role models in, for our children i can't be telling my child to do something if i'm not going to do it and i think most most important in this soft skill you know hierarchy it's all right to make mistakes i think as parents we need to be forgiving of mistakes that are made of struggles that children go through so be conscious that when you forgive mistakes and you allow the child to rework it is building his resilience resilience is the strongest quality that is needed for future so and that comes from learning from our mistakes very well said and thanks for those really simple and practical examples we know where to start uh this is a burning question actually and it's relevant especially for uh, people who are outside india how can we make our kids the global citizens of tomorrow and yet ensure that they remain anchored to their roots now i always ask myself this question what is this concept of global citizen what does it really mean you know and then the answer i've got is that a student actually who understands what his or her purpose in life is when he or she understand that make to make this place better better for me that means me as a student and better mm-hmm. for my peers better okay. for everyone else when the child reaches that stage you know then we say that yes he's become global in his thinking what do we need to do for this global citizens i think it is inculcating the right values in children you know having the right quotient of kindness right quotient of empathy tolerance respect i keep saying this over and over again because they matter so much because mm-hmm. i feel that both homes and schools they must be a store storehouse mm-hmm. they must be these values 
you know because children imprint what they observe very early on if they yeah. see parents are kind they'll be kind if they see their parents are respecting and tolerant they'll be that if school encourages that they'll be forced to do it you can't be unkind in a school that is encouraging you to be kind you know and therefore when they have these values they already automatically thinking of making the planet better that in itself is being global they are global citizens they are not thinking selfishly about themselves they are thinking yeah. you know for the wider world and my mm-hmm. whole belief is that when a child has reached that level of you know global understanding and his role in that mm-hmm. he is also rooted to his own culture mm-hmm. he will not forget his roots you know mm-hmm. he will respect his roots too because it is his roots that has given him those wings to fly and made him be where he is you know so mm-hmm. i feel that for our children who are especially expatriates outside the more we teach them these values mm-hmm. they will turn back and respect their roots because it is the values that will hold them in good stead right actually it's a very interesting perspective and i honestly did not think that this question would be answered this way true i mean thinking about it i'm more indian in singapore than i would have been in india maybe <laughs> really <laughs> the amount of enthusiasm and energy we put in celebrating our festivals planning out and even the traditional delicacies which we try to make at home exactly it's, it's all to teach our kids their values and keep them anchored <laughs> my mother is shocked at the amount of things that i'm making at home <laughs> ma'am can you please share a message or tips that could help parents in their journey of upbringing please yeah i don't want to be I don't want to claim to be an expert on upbringing. I have made my own share of mistakes in bringing up my own son. Um and of course I have learned I've learned through it as he's growing up. And though I cannot turn back the clock and you know undo some of my pertinent mistakes or parenting mistakes, I can surely share some tips for young first time parents, you know, and who have young children. uh what i have learned is that we have to be unconditional in our love for our child <laughs> unconditional even if he doesn't live up to our expectations which of course all parents believe is their right to have <laughs> it's our right to have expectations <laughs> we should never let love and acceptance become any less mm-hmm. never substitute material aspects for love uh, i mean this is the strongest lesson i have learned the second one is always try and listen to the unspoken words um as our ch- children grow up they may communicate either better or they may communicate less mm. but as parents we need to speak less when we speak less we will be able to hear what they are not saying mm-hmm. so i always tell parents listen more you will pick up things that your child is not saying to you uh, i have a couple of points i will share if you'll allow me to because yes please yes please strong learnings you know that i have gained over my son is 24 now so i've got wow. <laughs> i've got yeah. a lot of period of time yeah the other bit i have learned is every day to become a better version of myself and this translates to our child uh, they observe us closely they pick up cues from us their behavior is invariably 
an imprint of us as adults. That's why it's so important. If I want my child to be a well-adjusted child, you know, successful child, then I have to make myself better every single day. The other one, I've not done it with my son, but I tell parents never do it. Avoid comparing. Avoid comparing. I just cannot emphasize this enough. You know, accept your child for who he or she is. Do not make him your source of recognition or boast or branding. <laughs> just accept him. That's why I say unconditional love. Whatever he may be. He may not be your decorative piece. Not all children can be, you know. So avoid that comparisons. Now, the other one I tell parents, because all of us, right, we want the best for our children. There is no two ways about that. But I always tell parents, be patient. Give your child time. He will come there. He will be there. Just give it time. You know, I always say, don't be in a hurry. This is not a race. Yeah. Don't be in a hurry to see results. Wait. He will get there in time. Be there with him as he's struggling. If he's struggling, be there. You know, don't, don't expect things to happen like this. And last and most importantly, I repeatedly say this to number of parents I meet. You practice what you preach. <laughs> Always. I tell teachers also that and I tell parents also that. We can't tell our children to do things if we are not going to do it. You know? So it's very important that we practice what we preach. These are the real gems and they are an excellent reminder for all of us who actually believe in conscious parenting. Thank you ma'am for being with us today and thank you so much for sharing all your experiences from your personal as well as professional life. It was very insightful and an interesting conversation for us. We are sure you all enjoyed listening to this episode. I mean how many times do we actually get a chance to speak with a teacher and a principal at that length, isn't it? So don't forget to share it with your friends and please do follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Partners in Upbringing. Our next episode is with a very renowned pediatrician in Singapore, Dr. Malathi. I'm sure at least half of the kids in Singapore have been treated by her. <laughs> so don't miss this episode. Healthy reminders with Dr. Malathi. See you next time. Until then, goodbye, stay safe and happy parenting. The content of this podcast is a copyright of the makers of this podcast, Partners in Upbringing. The information and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice unless stated. Please refer to https colon forward slash forward slash partnersinupbringing.buzzsprout.com for further details.